Hey, what's up, family? Hope y'all are doing exceptionally well on this Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon. I hope that you guys are well. I hope this video finds you well. I'm excited about this video. I got a lot of questions. I posted a uh, post maybe a few days ago that talks about protecting um, your anointing. And so some people ask, hey, coach, how do I do that? So here's that video for this, and I'm excited to share with it. But as everyone is coming in live, uh, make sure you let me know where you're watching from. If you're watching this later and it's your very first time, let me introduce myself. My name is Joshua Ezzy, also known as Coach Josh, and my goal is to help you uh, grow holistically. For God, oh, my goal is to help me. My goal is to help you make sense of your life and to help you grow holistically for God's optimal use. And after watching this video, like man. I love this guy's vibe. Go ahead and subscribe. I would love to be a coach here online. But for those who's been with me, rocking with me for a long time, whether you've been watching for 13, 14 years, or you've been a subscriber for 14 minutes ago, I want to say thank you so much for subscribing to my channel and also listening to my podcast. I get a lot of people that listen. I think I have more people that listen on average more than they watch. So I want to say thank you all so much. But let's get right into these points. I have a lot that I, I have to share. And, um, and I want to make sure I do it in a timely manner. But let's go right into the word of God, the scriptures in regards to the anointing. And before you we get into this, get some paper, get some, get a pen, get ready to take some notes. Because I have a lot of things to cover that will help you protect and increase the power of the anointing that the Holy Spirit has placed in your life. But Second Timothy, I'll go ahead and increase this. Second Timothy uh, one four says, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, by the Holy Spirit, everything is by the Holy Spirit. It's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. It says, by the Holy Spirit, by or through fellowship with the Holy Spirit, by engaging the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, dwells, the well, the wellspring that dwells within us. It says what? Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. I love that. The, it, it gives or reveals responsibility. It says guard, 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 guard the good deposits. It's unfortunate how many of us, we guard the bad deposit that's been depositing us versus guarding the good. We'll guard our lust. We'll guard our pride. We'll guard our selfish ambitions, but we don't take the responsibility to guard the good deposits to protect the good deposits. That's what? <clears throat> entrusted to you. Entrusted means God is trusting you with it. See, the thing about God, he loves us all equally, but he doesn't trust us all equally, right? So we have to take responsibility saying, this thing that has been entrusted to me by the indwelling empowering of the Holy Spirit, I am responsible to guard it to ensure that I don't lose it. Not necessarily lose it, but it doesn't become uh, impactful or beneficial. Luke 4, 18 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus talking. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. You heard a lot in the Old Testament where the spirit of God came upon. And this is the great revelation, the great one by which the spirit fell upon, came upon, descended like a dove upon, because he has what? Anointed me, meaning that I am and we are all anointed to do something. Now, what was Jesus anointed to do? Anoint, he has anointed me to proclaim the good news, the gospel to the who? The poor. It's those who are poor in spirit who recognize their poverty that will welcome the proclamation of the gospel. But those who are rich in soul, rich in mind, rich in this world, they're not going to want, they don't, they're not going to be able to see the value of the proclamation of the good news. That's why it says proclaim the good news to the poor. 
He also said that the anointing of the Holy Spirit has been anointed me or has anointed me. Uh, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So Jesus knew before he started his ministry what he was anointed to do. The question is, do you know what you're anointed to do? Do you have within this sentence structure the, the detailed uh, 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 things that the Holy Spirit has anointed to do? Now we're going to do an activity at the end where you will develop your anointed statement, your anointing statement, right? Like a mission, a vision statement, where you're able to say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to do X, Y, or Z. We'll get to that later. But Jesus was anointed. And if we're following the steps, we must we must understand that we too have anointing. But look at what he was anointed to do, to proclaim the good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recover sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Those four things were always in operation at all times in Jesus' life. Next, Acts 10, 30 says, good, a God appointed or anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. The Holy Spirit, what comes with him is also power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Anointing increases the more you are with God and the more you are operating in righteousness that was that is inspired or rooted in the imputed righteousness of Jesus on your life, which then will enable you to do good, to heal and, and, and allows the Holy Spirit, to not, not the Holy Spirit, but allow God to endorse the work through you. There's a lot of people who are talented and gifts and callings are given without repentance, meaning that God ain't going to take that away. But how many of our talents are anointed? Let's keep going. We'll, get, we'll break some of that down a little bit later. Mark 6, 13 says, and they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. We're going to talk about that. I'm going to break that down a little bit later. James 5, 14 says, is anyone sick among you? Let him, must be King James. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Those two scriptures about oil, we'll talk about that a little bit later and how the oil, the oil that has been sealed upon us or poured on us is going to be poured through us to do, to operate in our anointing with the operation or with the goal of destroying yokes. Let's keep going. 1 John 2, 18 through 20, it says, children, it is it is the last hour. <laughs> and as you have heard that, that the Antichrist is coming, he's already here. So now many Antichrists have come. So the Antichrist spirit is upon the land. And there are many people through music, through through movements, through through ministry, through through uh, manage, management positions, through whatever are operating in that antichrist spirit. Therefore, we know knowledge is power. Applied knowledge is superpower, right? Therefore, we know knowledge is, is power, like I said. For we know that in the last hour, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. It's talking about people there that look like they're Christians, look like they are talented or anointed, but time will prove that they were never in association with Jesus, right? They would have continued with us, but they went out. That means they went away. They departed from the faith. They, they, they departed from the true doctrine of the faith, speaking uh, doctrines of devils, that it might be plain. God's going to make it plain. Action. That's why the Bible says you know them by their fruit. Not the fruit of their lips, but the fruit of their life, Right? Because when you look at fruit, it's plain. 
But if you look at just the tree itself, you might be uh, uh, brainwashed, right? That it, become, uh, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Verse 20, but you have been anointed. You, you, the separated ones, but you have been anointed by who? The Holy One, and you all have knowledge. The Holy Spirit, we, I can tell if someone's truly anointed or truly sealed by the Spirit, by what they know, by what they discern, by what they recognize. I never entrust myself with people who have low discernment levels. I, I don't get in the car with them. I don't go no place with them because if your discernment is low and I'm and I'm in connection with you, then it may cost me something, right? But you have been anointed, meaning the sealing of the Holy Spirit separates. It, 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 there will be a separation proving through the knowledge, through the ability to discern, through the wisdom that's in your life, through how you love, that you are not like them that'll walk away. That's why anointing, being anointed by the Holy Spirit is important. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22 says, and it is God who established us within Christ. It is God who does that in the work of Christ and has anointed us. Each and every one of us have been anointed by God to do something and be like someone, to be like the anointed one and to do what he has done. Even Jesus said that greater works that will do. Verse 21, 22, and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee, as a deposit. That's powerful. We talk about the, the mark of the beast a lot. We talk about the mark of the beast, but we don't talk about the sealing of the Holy Spirit. All, every person on this earth is marked, marked as either a slave to the devil or the slave to the divine head, right? But when you know that you have been sealed, sealed means stamped, Holy Spirit has sealed you and is now in, empowering you as a guarantee that my, that I am guaranteed heaven because I've been sealed, right? First John 2, 27 says, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. From who? From who? From who? Him that abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should. I love this. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. That means the anointing of the Holy Spirit abides in you. The richness of him, the attributes of him, the, the power from him abides in you. And you have no need. It is saying, you know, you may not want to be taught by someone, but you have no need that anyone should teach you, meaning that there should be no desperate need. When I work on the anointing in my life and I work with the Holy Spirit and I engage the Holy Spirit, I have no need to be taught by anyone. What I mean by need, meaning I don't have to be so desperate to be taught. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be taught. I don't, I, I love being taught. But I have no need because what need leads to perversion. And if I need to be taught by you as my master, as my pastor, if I have need, then you who could be a contaminated could taint me due to my desperation to be with you. So that's why it's our responsibility to engage the spirit of God, to work with the spirit of God, to be taught by him so that we won't be set up to be perverted. So many people right now, the reason why... <clears throat> They are led astray because they're desperate need. Uh, uh, they're, they're desperate need to be taught by this man of God, to be taught by this woman of God, to be in the presence of this person. Versus, hey, I appreciate the local body. I appreciate my pastor. I appreciate these things, but I don't need these things. 
Now, what I mean by need, I'm talking about perverted need. We all need communion. Don't get me wrong. We all need a pastor, right? But we're talking about deep, dark need, right? But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, our pastors are limited. I'm limited. People that we look up to are limited. But with the Holy Spirit, he teaches you about and me about everything and is true. So the more you engage with the Spirit, the more you know that what, you, what your past say is true because it bears witness with the Spirit in you and it bears witness to the depths of the fellowship that you have with the Holy Spirit. But as His anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is and is no lie, just as if it has taught to you, abide in Him. That's our responsibility. The more we abide in Him, the more we protect our anointing. The more we abide in Him, the more our, the anointing increases our life and is able to impact the lives of others. Let make sure I say hey to the people. My bad, y'all. Kiana Brown, thank you for being here. We're glad that you knew. Thank you for being here. Uh, Jocelyn, high blood blessings to you too. Uh, how are you doing, Coach? I'm doing well, Demetrius. Thank you for asking all as well. I got a four-day weekend. It's upon me right now. It's like the Holy Spirit is upon me. This four-day weekend is upon me. And I will rejoice and be glad in them days. The Harmony, thank you for watching. Glory to God. That's right. That's right. That's right. Let's get back into it. Um, let me get my notes up. I know the scripture may be small on your screen, but bear with me. And make sure you share as well. Share this video if you, for people that you know need this. Now, how to protect your anointing. Now, we're going to get into my points, okay? The scriptures are rich. Scriptures are rich. And if I dive too deeply in it, uh, um, then it will be able to take the full course. And I feel the Holy Spirit is, is pushing me through. So the question <clears throat> for today's video, I want you to think about, I want you to think about is, do you understand the value of your anointing? And do you understand what to do with it? Do you know what to do with it? Do you understand the value of your anointing, the value of the calling on your life, the value of the power of your life and what to do with them? Problem is this. Many believers are operating from their raw talent and not from their rich anointing by the Holy Spirit. Many quote unquote believers, Christians, quote unquote, you see the air quotes because not, you know, not everybody who says the name of Christ is saved. Many believers are operating from their raw talent alone. Preachers, raw talent. Musicians, raw talent. Teachers, raw talent. Raw talent, talent, talent. Great. That's great. Everybody's talented. But they're operating solely on their raw talent and not from their rich anointing of the Holy Spirit, the richness of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There's a difference. Talent, does, talent cannot destroy yokes. My talent as a speaker does nothing if it's not anointed by the Spirit of God. My talent as a speaker, as a communicator, is nothing in a grand eternal scheme of things. It may cause people to be like, wow, that's deep. Or some preachers, it may cause people to shout. Musicians may cause people to cry. Worship leaders may, all this stuff may cause emotional stirring, but no yoke breaking. So many believers are operating from their raw talent and not from the richness of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Their talented acts are doing nothing, nothing to the yokes on the people they serve or are around. This basically means that if you're just talented, it does nothing. 
It may show that something has happened, but it has done nothing to the yokes on them. It has done nothing to their soul. It has done nothing to draw them to Christ. It has done nothing to cause them to grow in discipleship. It has caused nothing that means something to the one who's over everything. Their talented acts are doing nothing to the yokes, to the yokes, to the yokes on the people they serve in ministry, serve on their job, or their family or friends that are around. They are not allowing the oils, the oil to flow to every area and through them into every area. This is rich. Meaning, let me let me give it an explanation. <clears throat> when they when the shepherds anointed or put oil on the sheep, why did they put oil on the sheep? The olive oil, when they placed on the head of the sheep and it flowed through their bodies. It kept insects and ticks from attaching themselves in their fur and on their skin, causing them to be infected. So the oil was slippery enough so that when bugs would get on them, it would slide off of them. Mm. So when the Holy Spirit anoints us, we have to let it flow all over us so that no matter what tries to attach on us, it slides off. It doesn't lead to infections. It doesn't lead to disease. The reason why we are diseased, the reason why we are being infected, we are not allowing the oil of the Holy Spirit to flow into every compartment of our lives, to set us free from all bondages, to set us free from all iniquity, to set us free from all of self. Because whatever area is not allowing the oil to flow, the, uh, the anointing of the Holy Spirit cannot flow through you. If I'm anointed, if, if the anointing has reached only 20% of my, my abilities and my character, then the other 80% will affect. So when I speak, if I'm speaking, if I got lust in me, if I got pride in me, if I got idolatry in me, if I got anything in me that I have not allowed the oil to flow through, truth to set me free in, then things will attach themselves in those areas, causing me to be infected. And if I'm infected, what speaks through me does nothing to those individuals who are not smart enough to detect whether or not I'm infected. So when the Holy Spirit pours the oil on what is it's a metaphor, when the Holy Spirit by himself is in, you may be sealed, but you have to open up all the seals in your life so that the anointing can flow that destroys the yokes off of you. How can you destroy the yokes off someone else if you're still yoked to addictions, Right. So the anointing, the reason why the oil had to, had to flow was because so that insects and stuff cannot get into the sheep, causing infection in the sheep, causing the sheep to die. The same is with us metaphorically. That's why they said when the elders come to the, uh, when there's any sick, pour the oil as a metaphor. The oil says, hey, whatever it touches by which, because what it, because who it is a representative of. If we allow that metaphor to strengthen our faith, then we'll know that oil will not only seal, but it's a representation to remove all infections or to remove anything off the individual that may cause that infection. So the oil is important. That's why it's represented as oil. It's representative of that metaphor. Let's keep going. This is powerful. This is good stuff. Many believers are operating from their raw talent. Many are just talented. Cool. You're talented. People like me, and I know no, 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 no glory on me, but listen, I've been walking with God a long time. I can tell when something's anointed versus when someone's talented. I can tell. 
I can tell when someone just ooh and they just singing and they I can look at their body language, I can look at their eyes, I can look at their posture, I can look at their focus, I can look at the clothes that they're wearing. Have you noticed that most people who are the less flat, the people who are the less flashy are the more anointed? John the Baptist, more anointed. The Pharisee, he says, man, you vipers, you and y'all soft clothing. All these people wearing these little V-neck tight shirts, skinny jeans, looking all fashionable. Those people probably anointed because they're trying. They're, you can tell by their body language. Don't get me wrong. Nothing wrong with dressing nice. But if there is a consistent pattern of you always got to have the fashionable this and this, God don't need your clothes to draw anybody. God don't need your Jordans to draw anybody. God don't need your fashionable sense to draw anybody. John the Baptist had wool skin. John the Baptist eating locusts and honey. More people came to him in the wilderness than they came to the Pharisees in their soft clothing. So you can look at certain people at, by what by what they are trying to use to draw. If you're using the lights, the cameras, the clothes, the flashiness, all that stuff to draw them, you are focusing on something that's diminishing your anointing because all you got to do is come as you are in him and speak on behalf of him and yokes will start falling off of people. Real recognize real, fam. There's nothing wrong with dressing up. I'm not saying that. But when that's your motive, when that's your heart, it's insecurities. So the issue is many people are trying to draw people through methods that the master never meant for them to uh, uh, use. Many believers are operating from raw talent and are not rich and anointing of God. There's a difference. Their talented acts are doing nothing to the yokes on the people they serve. What are you doing with the anointing? You are you trying to destroy the yokes off people, setting the captives free, open the eyes of the blind, drawing people to Christ, or drawing to you, or drawing them to your life, or the people around? Should people around you should know that you're anointed? One thing about the anointing on a person, like it, it draws to or draws away. Consistent anointing bearers. Consistent people that are operating in their anointing at a high level, people either can't stand to be around them or people always want to be around them. Not because of who they are, but because there's some kind of aura about them. There's something about them. Your anointing, your focus, you only got to say nothing and your life convicts people. You don't gotta, you don't gotta brag about who you are, who you follow. <clears throat> you're, you're living of the principles of God, you living the standards of God by itself. We either draw people away or draw people to you. And usually those who, who through their action show, brings more people to them. Because their identity is not in their Christendom. Their identity is in the Christ. Let's keep going. Points. The anointed. Anointed is oiled or sealed. I have been anointed. I have been commissioned. I have been sealed. Anointing is the oil in operation. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit seals me, seals you, letting it, letting all the spiritual world know that person is marked by God for the purposes of God in his kingdom, sealed. The anointing is that oil, that spirit of God in operation, the endorsement, the endorsing operation of the Holy Spirit, meaning I can fade in and out of the potency of my anointing based upon my concentration we'll get to that oil in operation means i've been in, i've been in, in with god so much that when i speak it is coming from the residue 
of my time with God. And from that, people will know because they know this man walks with God. This woman walks with God because when he speaks, when she speaks, I'm changing. The Bible talked about that. There was like this unlearned man, this unlearned teacher seems to have more power than them. The Pharisees who's been in the word, the Pharisees, the preachers, the people that's been talking about how they've been walking with God. All those people, these people over here, they, they he talks with authority. <laughs> he talks with a certain level of, of, of authority and power, confidence, faith. The anointing is oil in operation, the extension of the seal. The extension of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is allowed to work through you. That's the anointing. The allowed. That means the, the devil, the, not, not the devil, the Holy Spirit cannot flow through you when he knows you speaking through with lust, lustful intentions. He can't anoint your words if he knows you speaking through with prideful intentions. He can't do it. But when there is an allowing of the Holy Spirit, now don't get me wrong, nobody's perfect. God, the Holy Spirit can use anybody, speak through anybody. But we're talking about consistent flow of the Holy Spirit in a person's life with, with the intent, right, to help people. You have to live right. You have, you, have to be, you, you have to be in a repentant state where you're in a constant state of renewing your mind, endeavoring to live more righteously because of the imputed righteousness of Jesus. You, you want to do more. You want to be more, not for more, but because you want to be more so that you can gain more for the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God can go forward. Right? It's the Holy Spirit's allowed work. I'm allowing him to speak through me and I'm speaking through my fellowship with him and I'm speaking with a level of concentration and focus. Next point. We already talked about it. There's a big difference between anointing and talent. Anointing is your talent endorsed. Talent by itself is just that you just, you look good, you sound good. Great, that was good. But all we got was a great time. Consecration, concentration and consecration. Con oh, consecration and concentration. A consecrated person is a person that's set aside, right? So there's 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 a whoop whoop with the set assignment, right? I'm set aside by God, I'm made holy by God, set apart for God because of what Jesus did. That's the first set apart. Greater level of being set apart is when I'm being set apart based upon the depths of sanctification I have gone through. So I've been set apart, sealed. I'm not worried about going to heaven. I'm sealed uh, as a son or daughter of God. I'm sealed. But the deeper depths of holiness and set apartness is my living and willingness to live a holy life. I've been made holy because of Jesus, but I, but my holiness and the way I live is inspired by the holiness of God, is reverenced because of the, holy, the, the holiness of God, and it is enabled of the desire to, to operate at a high level for God's glory. So the more concentrated I am, the more focused I am, the more, the more, the more I uh, am, a, um, I'm more of a soldier than a civilian. The more I am willing, the greater the outcome. Nobody. Thank you so much, Princess Warrior, for being new. So we're glad to have you. There's two types of players in his life, two types of ball players. The one who's more focused and the one who's just talented but not focused. They're on the same team, but they have two different outcomes. 
One is on the bench majority of the time, if not all the time. The other's in the game most of the time. The other one is in the fourth quarter. The one, the, the one, usually coaches put the players they trust the most in critical times. That means their work ethic is more set apart. Their mindset is more set apart. Their consecration is more set apart. They're deeper in this thing. That's why the person in the bench can't get mad at the player that's got the ball in the game because they can't get mad if they know that person is, is more focused and more trusted. The same, what makes you think the kingdom of God is the same way? You've been forward to think that just because you set apart, then you could just do whatever you want. No, 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 no. There, 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 there's a focus. There's a discipline. A disciple is a disciplined one. The deep, the more disciplined you are, the more you are able to deliver at a high level with a, a level of potency that, that breaks the yokes immediately because the power of God is flowing through an individual because it's coming from a fellowship. We got to get out of our minds just because these shallow thinking, civilian thinking, Christian mindset. No, we are soldiers, fam. No soldier goes a day without breaking their gun down, putting the gun back together, shooting all the time. Because just because it's not wartime doesn't mean it's not working time. It's time to keep sharpening your craft, sharpening yourself, sharpening your faith, developing your faith. So when bad times and tough times come and when the evil day comes, you can stand. Next slide. Now, types of yokes people are under. Here are some yokes that people are under that need that they need you and the anointing in your life to help destroy. Some people are under yearning yokes, strong desires. They're they're yoked, bound by, controlled by their yearnings. They're selfish, sexual, emotional, idolatrous desires. They're yearning, they got yokes on them. They're yearning. Most people just searching for God, but just in all the wrong places. Even though he's in all places, they're looking for things. And God is sitting there beside their well saying, are you going to choose me besides the weed? Are you going to choose me besides uh, the girl? You're going to choose me beside the man? He going, oh, he God's everywhere, but we choosing the wrong things. But people need your anointing to get them off their yearnings and change that yearnings into delighting in God. Yearning after God. Yearning after being more like him. They need to see the anointing working in your life. They need to see your yearning for God. They need to see your, your love for God. They need to see the, the, the attributes of God flowing through you. So that can help be used to destroy the yearning yokes off of people. Oh, people are under the yokes. They are under the, opinion, the opinions of other yokes. They're yoked to the opinions of others. There's certain people right now who are yoked, controlled by other people's opinions or are controlled by other people, period. They're controlled by their, their, their words, their actions. Some people right now, you never met the person on Instagram. You never met the person that you follow the most, but you're yoked to their ideologies. You're yoked to the way they live. You're yoked to the way they dress. You're yoked to the way they talk. You are yoked to the opinions of others and you yoked to others. And people need to see that you don't mind being alone, that you're not desperately or deeply attached to anyone to the point to where they, you can be derailed. They need to see that. They need to see that you've been set free from the opinions of others. They need to be. They need to see that you're set free from other people, period. So that they can, when you speak to them and, and encourage them, then that yoke will fall off of them. They no longer have to live off the opinions of others. They are thriving off the opinion of God. 
They no longer have to be influenced, sickly influenced by other people's influence because they know that you are living off being solely influenced by God. And then that will slowly or quickly take the yokes off them. They need to see that. Types of yokes people are under kid yokes. Things that abuse that happened to them when they were kids, they still yoked by what their mama did, still yoked by what their daddy did. They still yoked by what their mama and daddy never did. They still yoked by what their auntie did. They still yoked by what was done to them as a kid. And when you have shown that you have been set free and the truth of God and anointing has set you free and now you are living and thriving and people, that same person know your story and they know that man, I've read that chapter in your life. And when they read your current chapter and they see that the anointing destroyed the yoke off of you, they're going to want that too. Types of yokes people are under? E, emotional and energy controlling yokes. Emotional yokes. Emotionally tied to people. Soul tied to exes. Soul tied to people sexually. Soul tied to people mentally. Soul tied to people emotionally. They're yoked by it. Kind of goes with the why. And energy controlling yokes, they stay too yoked to their job. That the job gets all the energy, have no time for their families. They're too yoked to their uh, business and their entrepreneurial endeavors. That they have no energy for the things of God and for the things of their family. So they're yoked emotionally. They're yoked through energy suckers. But when people see you and the anointing flowing through your life and your day-to-day life, anointing is not just in preachers, right? We all preachers. <clears throat> Our life is preaching. My life is preaching right now to somebody, right? But but when they see that you the yoke has been destroyed off of you and you're not emotionally tied, don't get me wrong, you're emotionally connected, but you're not emotionally uh, uh, tied. You connect, I'm emotionally connected to my wife, but if my wife goes wayward, which she won't, but if she goes wayward, it ain't gonna pull me. It may affect me to a degree, but I gotta make sure that I'm more glued to God. Right? So emotional energy control. So they see in your life that you're not controlled by anybody, that, that you go at the pace of God, that you don't. Like, That's what I love about God. There's no sweat with him. There's no sweat with him. With me in ministry back in my early days of ministry, I sweated too much. I sweat. As, just, I'm not Jen. I sweat a lot, period. But I'm talking about metaphorically sweating. Right. I will. I was forcing ministry. I got to make this work. It's got to work by 25. Oh, no, I'm 25. It's got to work by 30. Right? It's, I'm forcing it. I'm sweating. I'm making things happen. Put the lights. Get the smoke machine. I've been there. Smoke machine. Oh, let me get a let me get nice shirts and nice clothes. <clears throat> let me go look for this. And, and let me put drinks in the back. And, and, and let me dim the lights. And let me only preach for 15 to 20 minutes. And then have more time for all this kind of stuff. I've done it. And what has it done? Nothing for the people. It was a great time. And maybe some people got impacted. I really believe the word I spoke back then. You can go back to those those, those words were anointed, but it may not, it could, they may not have been operating at a, such a high level where revival can break out, where people's lives was drastically changed. Now we might have healed some headaches. We might have cast out a couple of demons or two, but it could have been 2000. So now in ministry, I don't, I don't sweat for nothing. I ain't trying to force it. I ain't trying to make it happen. I'm chilling. That's how it's supposed to be. That you're not caught up or yoked by the, the American pursuit of the American dream, right? The, the selfish ambitions, the I got to get it and I got to get it. Now, then you chilling because you're walk, you walking with God. God don't be run. God don't run. It says walk with God, not run with God. 
God don't run. God takes his time because he knows the value of time. So that's my testimony. I don't sweat, bro. I don't sweat for nothing to nobody, bro. And if I'm sweating, it's only because I'm getting buckets or if it's humid outside. And self. Type six people are under their self. They Self-sin, sin nature, self, self. And they need to see that you have died to yourself so that they can be inspired to die to themselves as well. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, come to me, Jesus speaking, all who labor and are heavy laden. Those who labor means that you're working. You're working hard. You're out here working and you're sweating unnecessarily. He says, come to me, not come to them, come to me. All who labor, meaning they're, they're overly working. They're working themselves, stressed out, trying to make it happen, trying to reach this level of success. But you, but your family are successful, right? And are heavy laden, meaning that you are Think too much is placed on you. You're heavy laden. People are laying things on you unnecessarily. You're, you're carrying more than you're supposed to care. You're not casting your cares on God. You're carrying more. That's why heavy laden people. He says, come to me all who, who overly work and are overly laden or burdened. And what he says, I will give you rest for your soul. He says, take my yoke upon you. Take, take, take my yoke. Take my yoke means take my mission. Take my, my, um, service he says take my yoke upon you because a yoke means you in service when two oxen are yoked right those oxens when they're not yoked are grazers Ooh. they're grazers when they're yoked they're grinders Ooh. when they're not yoked they're just out there grazing on the field they're chilling they ain't they ain't no they ain't no they're chilling they're out there grazing but once the yoke comes upon them, they're now grinding. They're in service now. That's why the Bible says don't be unequally yoked with non-believers, meaning don't get into labor or service or work or partnership with people who are going to slow down the process. Why? Because if I'm yoked to someone in partnership or any type of, and someone said something that I had to make sure I made clear. I ain't going to say no names. But when they talk about unequal, they were talking about uh, as far as Kanye doing songs with secular artists or when Christians do secular artists, it ain't the same as being a partnership in marriage, right? That's wrong. Any, any, There's no fellowship of light or darkness at all. Just because I don't, I, I never agreed and subscribed to that. Preachers, ministers, anyone in the kingdom should never partner with or should never do anything with ministry wise with a non-believer. What's the point when, when Lecrae and Kanye and all these people do songs with secular artists? And I love these guys. Please understand, hear my heart. I'm doing this for teaching purpose. When they do songs with secular people, what they're doing is they're putting out there that I that I uh that I uh give clearance to this individual, that I uh what's the word? I um validate this individual. People understand that when you do work with people who are in the world. You do more of a disservice to people than you do a service to their people. What I mean by that, when these artists partner with these secular artists, right, what's, what they're going to do? They're giving clearance. They're giving validation saying, hey, I value this person. Now, you may be in a discipleship process with that person. You may validate them that they are walking with God, but they are not ready for ministry. Paul, Paul, Paul. New Testament Paul sat out for three years before he did ministry. He sat down for three years under the disciples for three years before he did ministry. 
You can't just get these people who just says they declare some type of salvation and then you want to put them on a track. You do more of a disservice to the sheep than you do the people you're trying to reach. Reach records. That's what happens. Because how do you do a disservice? Now the babes in Christ who don't have good churches, who don't have good pastors, who don't have good people sharpening them, they're going to be like, I'm going to go listen to little baby. Because Kurt Franklin made clearance for little baby, so I'm going to listen to little baby. And I'm going to listen to little baby's records. And then if those little baby records are tainted by demonic influence, now that kid is tapped into a spell and they can barely spell out the calling of their own life. We got to make sure that we're not ignorant to these devil tactics. Now, do I need a Christian plumber? No. Do I need a Christian mechanic? No. Do I need a Christian uh, construction worker? No. They're doing a service for me. But when they're doing a service with me, we got to be yoked the same. Period. That's why this is a design. That's why most of the people that do this kind of stuff, I question their allegiance to God. I question if they're going to say, because the same spirit in me will not give clearance to them. And now you got Kanye doing songs with Marilyn Manson, all this kind of stuff. Come on, people. And I pray he's saved. I pray God has reached him. But I look at the people around him and I ask myself, is he being shepherded appropriately? So when people say, oh, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that kind of thing, you got to be smarter than that. Because that stuff contaminates you and affects you. Take my yoke upon you. Take my service. Take when you, let's grind together. I'm an equal. Mm, when you take my yoke upon me, the Holy Spirit, who's full capacity, will be able to meet your balance where you at maturity wise, so that when you are progressing, the Holy Spirit ain't gonna be heavier than you at that moment. He's not gonna be weaker than you in that moment. He's gonna say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, even though I'm the fullness of the Godhead is in me, I'm gonna match your capacity at this moment so that you can grind gracefully at the level that you can until I develop you into the man or the woman that can grind better than they once was. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle. I am gentle. And lowly in heart, humble in heart. Yo, what the yokes, whether it's yearnings, the opinions of others, what happened to you when you was a kid, emotional and energy connections, and envy. Envy's a yoke. I'm envying what's in your life. I'm envy, I'm jealous of you. That becomes a yoke. And yourself, all those things plus more are ruthless, evil taskmasters. Their yokes are tight, right? Their, 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 their burdens are heavy. And he says, for I am gentle and lowly. He says, man, choose me, fam. And you will find rest for your what? Souls. It's hard to find rest in your bodies if your souls are restless. He says, for my yoke, my service, my, my what I called you to do, what I've anointed you is easy. Not that it's easy to do, but it's not heavy. And my burdens are light. And I love John 8, 32, it says, and you will know the truth and the truth sets free. When the truth comes, it sets you free from those yokes. And then you welcome, you welcome the, uh, the, the yokes of others, uh, the yoke of Jesus on you because you know he's gentle and low. You know his character. Now, what affects the operation of the anointing in your life? Now, what hinders it? What affects it from operating <clears throat> at a higher level 
where there's fruit of people being set free from their yearnings, being set free from the opinions of others, being set free from what happened to them as kids, being set free from emotional and uh, uh, energy attachments and envy and helps them be free from themselves. What affects that from happening? A, bad association. I'll spell the word anointing real quickly. Bad association, bad friends, bad people, uh, uh, bad associations when it comes to churches and, and whatever, bad associations, right? Bad teachings. Right. Num number two, in negative thinking, negative talking, it, it affects the operational anointing. I, I, I operate at a high level. Negative thinking. If I'm always thinking negative, I'm not setting. If I'm if I'm not thinking on things that are above, then I'll never rise above. And if I talk negatively, then I'll walk negatively. Not being organized. Oh, not being organized. You got to be organized. You got to, to a degree. This is more practical. Be more organized. Order your days. Order your life. Organize it. Number uh, next one. In uh, or I bad intentions, the anointing can't flow in your life if you have bad intentions when you're delivering your message or when you're delivering your song, when you're delivering anything that, that you have been once anointed for. That's why you ever seen people and you've heard their albums at one point. Their albums at one point were mad anointed. No, not mad anointed. It was really anointed. You felt it. You knew. The thing is, when these people sprout up, boom, the enemy's like, oh. The enemy knows when someone longs for God, when someone desires God. He knows when people only want God. He knows, fam. These demons know. So what happens is the anointing flies up. Wow, that song uh, was powerful. And then what happens to the artists over time, the worship artists over time? The enemy comes in, offers them contracts, offer them opportunities, offer them managers, or, or basically mind control individuals, offer these individuals, right? Circle them round devils with fangs, right? Surround them and then gets them entangled, gets them inspiring. And usually people got these anointing strong. They probably came from poverty. They probably came from pain because it's something about pain. It's something about poverty that keeps you depending on God. It's something about, about, about being or going through the grind and going through pain that makes you more potent. That's in anything. Sports, we didn't even talk about just anointing by saying, but when, when someone got uh, like Steph Curry, someone who, who came who got overlooked, look at Jordan, got cut twice, got overlooked, right? That builds a hunger, even though Steph Curry was rich and he had everything, he still was overlooked. You can still be rich and still have a hunger, and then it, 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 uh, it created such a work ethic, it created such a, a tenacity. That you can see on the screen. Wow, that person, huh, right? When it comes to us, we gotta know that the more that 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 pain I've gone through, and I've and I've been and I've been going through the grind, it builds a certain level of potency and trust in God and 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 a love of God, right? That when you speak, it's anointed. When you sing, it's anointed. And when that thing get on tracks, when that thing gets into a CD or MP3. <clears throat> or a video like this, people feel it. But what happens when somebody of the devils can't recognize that and you don't even know that you're anointed at that high level, what they do, they come to suffocate it. 
And then what they do is, well, you you poor. Let's focus on your poverty. Let's focus on what you, your, your pain. You don't want to go through pain anymore. Don't you want this contract? Don't you want these dollars? Don't you want these hollers from the industry? Don't you want these endorsements from people? And they start bringing the people that you idolize and the people in the industry that you that, that, that you idolize set you up to compromise. And then when you compromise, the anointing starts waning to the point that when your next album comes, it's talented. It's got the best music. It's got the best everything. But I can tell, and the real ones can tell, that person lost their sauce. They're nothing but a dry rub chicken wing. <laughs> no sauce. That's what happens. And that's how the devil knows I can I can creep in and utilize what they don't know, utilize their poor understanding of God, whatever, to get them to compromise, cause it anointing to subside, and all of a sudden it has nothing inside in them that's powerful enough. They ain't used the Holy Spirit in a while, and all of a sudden, all these people are drawn because these people are talented. They're drawn to them because they speak good. They're drawn to them because they can sing good, but you're being sheltered into these uh, devil-worshiping churches, and you have no power. There's no power in them. Look at most of these churches. Why do they don't have altars anymore because altars where death happens and when you remove the altar there's no death and the people who are dying are still living in their flesh and they're not changed bad intentions next not knowing when to say no that can affect the operation of your noise you don't know when to say no you say yes to everything and then people abuse your noise and they abuse you and use you and all of a sudden you get abused by somebody hurt by somebody and that hurt now keeps you from helping or increasing your anointing because you know how to say no T, bad timing and bad time management. You gotta, We got to learn how to conceal the anointing. We got to know how when to say, I know when to release and I know when to keep. Some people just got bad timing. You anointed for it. You're called to it. I've been there trying to start ministries prematurely, trying to start things prematurely. I have been anointed for it, but that anointing is sealed for a particular time. Hmm. We have been anointed for things, but it's not ready. It's not time for that anointing to be released. And the devil loves tipping jars so that you can release the anointing so that it won't go as far as it could have been if you release at the proper timing. So I'm anointed to do a lot of things. Who knows? I, I, I don't want to be a pastor, but if I'm anointed to be a pastor, I'm not going to try to start no church right now. If I'm anointed to be whatever in the future, anointed meaning that it is capsulized in that moment of time for it to be released. I'm not going to jump out and do it. That's bad timing. People have started churches at the wrong time, started ministry at the wrong time, done things at the wrong time, and then they die off in time. So just because you are anointed to do it, don't rush to do it because it might not be time to do it. Other people, just bad time management goes with that. Idolatry. Idolatry, you got to always be watchful for because you're going to start idolizing because the anointing could have been strong in your life previously. Your anointing was strong at one point, but then idolatry crept in. That's what happened to a lot of artists, a lot of preachers. They get around certain circles and idolatry creeps up. Insecurities creep up. Anointing goes down. <clears throat> or the impact of their anointing is contaminated. And it's no longer impactful. Needs. Strong needs outside of your need for God will lead to you not allowing, will lead to your anointing to operate at a high level. Your need for money, your need for love, your need for relationships will pervert your anointing. Imagine, and I've been there, I've been there at one point, you preaching just because of the girls. <laughs> that's, that, that's, you, you, I remember telling her I needed a wife, I wanted a wife so bad. This is before I met my wife. Why I even knew my wife is, is it? 
man, you start doing things for the girl. You start doing things because you need attention. You need affection. Or you doing things because you need to look better than that person. That affects your anointing. Anointing is focus. Anointing is fellowship. Anointing is fervency. Anointing is fire. Last but not least, G, what affects the operation of the anointing in your life? Not spending enough time with God. Let's get one. I got more. I got two more slides. How to protect your anointing? Real quickly, Pete, understand how precious it is. It is precious. How you protect the anointing? It is precious. And it's powerful. I forgot that, Pete. You have to understand how precious it is and how powerful it is. When you understand how powerful sex is, you won't have sex. When you understand how powerful sex is, you won't put your penis everywhere. You won't open your legs to everyone because you know how powerful it is. Because it, it has the op, it has the ability to create life. So when you minimize the potency and power of a thing, then people start doing that thing at a high level. Therefore, starts creating dysfunctional homes for babies to be brought up in, causing generation dysfunction to come to, to go through generations. Because people don't know how to how precious and powerful it is. Sex is precious. Sex is powerful. So when you know how precious and how powerful it is and what it's capable of, you won't do it. You honor it. And you'll begin to say, no, marriage under the lordship of Jesus is the only safe place where sex can thrive and, and, and bring life into because it's governed and, and, and ruled by the Holy Spirit. So when it comes to your anointing, you got to realize how powerful and how precious it is. It was given to you by God. Do you know the price? That's another P. Do you know the price that was paid for us to have this anointing? It caused the death of God, fam. It caused his bloodshed. To pay only the price of the blood of a God can appease the wrath of a God. That's what made Jesus fully God and fully man. The, the blood of any regular man could not appease the, the, the wrath of God. Only the blood of a God can appease the wrath of God. The price. And so when you know how to count the cost and consider the cost and realize how precious it is, and how powerful it is, you're, you're protected. You won't let too many people access to it. You will guard it. You won't just watch every show. You won't listen to every album. There's certain Christian people I can't listen to. I ain't listen, there's, not, there's not too many pastors. I, listen, I only listen to one preacher. I listen, but the preacher I listen to the most is the, the, the Holy Spirit. When you know the price that was paid for it, when you know how precious it is, and when you know how powerful it is, you're protected. Or how to protect your anointing? Respect, reverence, and honor the one who gave it to you. That's how you protect it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what, people? Type it in the comments. Type it in the, in the chat. It's the beginning of what? Wisdom. How can I walk wisely with my anointing if I'm not walking in reverence? The, omnip the omnipresence of God enables us to present God in every area, to present the character of God, to present the power of God because of the omnipresence of God. There's not a place on this planet that you can hide from God. When Jesus comes back, they're going to be talking about how peep the rocks, the people who's hiding up under rocks. Now, what does that mean? People who got those bunkers, people who got those bunkers under them mountains. He thought they can't even hide the day of judgment. There's going to be many people rushing, driving, 
to their bunkers. <coughs> Driving to their bunkers. <coughs> hey, Jesus coming. <clears throat> He's coming. Maybe if we go eight miles in our bunkers, we can hide from him. Jesus going, Jesus, just the presence of Jesus, the presence of the judging Jesus. We ain't talking about the interceding Jesus. But when it comes down to judgment, Jesus, JJ, when JJ comes, those mountains will split open. And everybody hiding up on them rocks will have to see him. Reverence, his omnipresence, will keep you present. You got to respect and honor the one who gave it to you. Oh, you got to operate in it more. Operate in it more. If your anointing is to speak, operate in it more. Spar with the Holy Spirit. Wax on, wax off. Wax on. Wax off the karate kid was like, why am I keep doing this? Why do I have to keep doing that? And we hate those little, little trainings of the Holy Spirit. Well, I wanna, I wanna preach in front of millions. I just want a Christian album that sells a million records. I just want, I just want, I just want. That's all we talk about, but we don't want to do this. <clears throat> we don't want to spend time doing the little things. What was he teaching the karate kid? How to block. If you can't do the little things, you are inept to do the big things. It is the little things that holds the big things. Are we not being held up by molecules? Operate anymore. If you're a singer, operate with a, with a desire for God, operate in that thing more. Sing when no one's watching as if there's millions because you know who the greatest one you can. You can speak. You can speak in front of millions. You can sing in front of millions, but it doesn't come close than singing in front of God. God in all his oddness. God in all his omnipotence. God in all of this, who all of his nests is greater than a million people. So if you can sing passionately before God, if you can preach passionately before God, if you have that mindset in the beginning, it doesn't matter if you preach in front of millions. You won't be swayed by their eyes. You won't be swayed by their looks. You won't be swayed by who walks up and walks out because you've been speaking in front of the omnipotent one, the omniscient one. You've been speaking in front of the honestness of the one to the point where when you speak when i speak in front of people i can care less if you fall asleep i'm at the per i am not the person that gets mad when people fall asleep fam i only feed those who are hungry fam i'm not gonna go outside my restaurant begging for folks to eat when i got people ready to eat in the house the issue is we care too much about people and what they say versus what God has spoken or wants to speak through us. And we wonder why we're not anointed anymore. You got to organize your life too now. I'm talking about that. T, how to protect your anointing? Renew your thinking and talk. You got to change the way you think and talk to protect your anointing. You got to watch who you give your thoughts to and who you talk around. You got to protect it. Renew your thinking. Change the way you think about yourself. Because if you don't view yourself right, if you don't think of yourself right, how will you know how to release the things that are right? 
We know that when you know that you are loved by God, it's easy to release the things of God in an anointing fashion. Got to renew your talking. You just can't be. You just can't be talking negatively over your life, and 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 expect your uh, anointing to be protected. Because when you talk negatively, you talk talking disease. You start talking bad things. You giving legal legal rights to the enemy to bring that thing into manifestation in your life. Let's keep going. How to protect your anointing? Examine all entry points. <clears throat> And, and how, in, in what areas can the enemy come in and steal from me? In what areas of my life can the enemy come and kill and, and from me and destroy me? They say the businesses that, that, that put themselves out of business first will never be out of business. What they mean is they always looking for ways that their business could be put out of business and then build and build greater uh, strong points at those areas so they won't be put, put out of business. So before anyone has an opportunity to put themselves out of business, they think of all the ways their business can be put out of business so they can stay in business and develop those things to guard their business in those areas. So you got to look at every entry point. What you Your ears are entry point. Your eyes are entry point. Your nose is entry point. Your mouth is an entry point. Your touch is an entry point. Your senses are entry points. Your thoughts, what you choose to think of are entry points. Your heart and motives are entry points. All those entry points are used by the enemy to, to, to uh, invade, to steal, kill, and destroy. So to protect your anointing, to protect your calling, make sure you stay at a high level, you got to examine all entry points. Don't you think that when, when presidents and, and dignitaries are certain places, they send out first their, their, their security to check every breach, to check every entry point. They, they think creatively of how they can be, how, how that individual could be assigned. They think creatively. They think about what other ways. They look in the sewer. They go in the sewers. They go they go everywhere. They got helicopter. They, they check the air. They check the ground. They check under the ground. They check every entry point to make sure nothing happens. We got to be like that. We got to be diligent like that. We have to examine all entry points and connections, meaning people that we engage in. We got to examine everything to say, okay, who who has access to me that can contaminate me, that can cause the diluting of my of my anointing at, at being uh, used at a high level, and then eradicate, get rid of. Them. I don't care if y'all been friends for fourteen years. We done. We done. I don't care you've been doing that for four. We done, or at least modified. See, you got to make personal corrections. You got to look at yourself. You got to look yourself in the mirror. What am I doing? Am I lazy? Do I lack discipline? What in me could hinder me from operating effectively in my anointing? And you got to conceal it. Like we said before, you got to conceal it. You just got to learn. You don't. You just can't release it everywhere. You got to conceal it. You got to protect it. You got to conceal it. You got to make sure that you just don't just let every, you just don't pour it out in, in, in the wrong time. I don't click the wrong screen. Sorry. T, you got to take your time with it. Man, I've been called, my, my mom, um, when I was four years old, everybody knew, before I was even born, my mom said, who wasn't even a Christian at the time, but she she revered the Lord. She just wasn't operating, you know what I'm saying? So who knows when she was saying, <clears throat> but what I'm saying is she was just living in sin. And. She said, the spirit of God came into the room. She said, the angel. She said, the angel came in the room, but we know it's the spirit of God. As a story, as she got, you know, the spirit of God came into the room. And my dad was going to name me some Nigerian name. Some long, my first name was going to be, my last two names are Nigerian, Ejike Ezi. So I'm Joshua Ejike Ezi, right? Um, and so my dad was going to give me some long Nigerian name for my first name. And um, my mom with strong conviction says, no. Someone came into this room and said, call him Joshua for he'll be a great leader. So before my mom even birthed me, 
it was confirmed in her that this man going to be a man of God. Let's speed up to four years. When I was four years old, my mom said, because I have a strong look. Sometimes people just be like, I, when I look at them, they feel like I'm looking through their soul. My eyes are very strong, right? Uh, uh, I'll get you a question in a minute. My eyes are very strong. God has gifted me with a gift of discernment. I can, I can see. God's gifted me. It's amazing. She said, when I was four years old, I was sitting across the room. And she was smoking. She said, I looked at her. And she said, when I looked at her, she went to church that next Sunday, got saved. I've been reading. I've been serving in the church since I was six years old, right? So I knew from the beginning I was called to be a preacher. I was called to be a leader. But it wasn't necessarily time for me to preach and lead. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Years of development, years of maturity, years of growth, years of whatever prepares is preparing me for the time. There has been times in my life where I was it was ready for me to pour my anointing at a high level. Now I pour my anointing all the time. You know, when I preach this video, but we're talking about what I'm called to do, whether that be whatever ministry down the road, pastoral, uh, 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 whatever, whatever it is, whatever it is. And I ain't looking for it. Right. I just can't just if let's say I'm called to be a pastor. I ain't going to start a church now. Not time. Usually the people that want to do it ain't called to do it. People that want to run from it are the ones called for it. But you got to take your time with it. You got to develop into the person that's able to have the shoulders to bear the anointing. Because the anointing is heavy. It's, it's, you got to be you got to be the person to, to release the anointing. You got to stay in the truth too though. In order to protect them, you got to stay in the truth, the truth, the truth. You got to stay in the truth, not a truth, not your truth, the truth in order to protect it. Now, how to increase the power real quickly, how to increase the power of your anointing. We're talking about you anointed to do something that you've been sealed by the spirit of God. Those are great. But we're talking about elite levels of anointing. We're talking about flowing at a high level. We're talking about executing at a high level. We're talking about at a at a long level, able to sustain that. You don't want to just obtain it. People attain record deals. They attain opportunity. They attain, obtain. They got it. But they don't know how to sustain it with power. Now, how do you increase that power? Number one, P, you got to pay the price. Got to pay the price. The, the price is death to yourself. You have to die. In order for that, that power to increase at a high level, you got to die. You got to die, 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 die to yourself. You got to pay the price. The ultimate price is death. You got to die to yourself. You got to die to everything you want to do. You got to die. Listen, you got to die to your dreams. You got to die to your goals. You got to die to all that stuff. Die to it. I didn't become as 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 powerful as I am until I was willing to give up all of I of who I am. The anointing increases the moment I say, nah, take the, I, I, die, I die to that. I don't even, mm. I die to the way I thought about ministry. That's dead. I die to the way I delivered me. That's dead. I paid the price. And most people, the reason why things don't always turn right for them, they're not willing to pay the price for him. <clears throat> and prayer, constant communication with God. Not, not monologues, dialogues, talking to God, inquiring, seeking him. Uh, 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 sometimes God is quiet because, because you have to see how bad you want him. 
God knows how bad you want him. God ain't gonna be. God don't put us. God don't allow us to go through things. Or God is not uh, looking on us and be like, I want to figure out if this person loves me. I just want to. I just want to see. I just want to see how bad they want. But God knows how bad He just wants you to see how bad you want him. So you get out your mind the arrogance that you have, the thinking that you know Him. So sometimes God be quiet and see how the Bible says, ask, seek, and knock. Don't you know those three words spells ask? Ask, seek, knock. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want him? I don't, I talk to God all the time. <clears throat> People think I'm talking to myself, I'm talking to God. God, what do you think about this? Like I talk to God as I talk to my wife and I hear from God like I hear from my wife. Or I sense what God wants me to do, just like I'll hear from my wife. He's a person. The deeper depths of your fellowship with God, the more you begin to have that back and forth communication. And that increases your power. Because you're in direct connection to the commander in chief. How to, how to increase the power of your anointing? Obedience. Readiness. Ready to eventual obedience is disobedience. We talk about immediate obedience. You, that's how you increase your power. Always obeying. W, how to increase the power? is work out your faith muscle. You got to work it out by tracking the faithfulness of God. How has God been faithful to you? Let that stir your faith. Let that develop your faith. That's how you increase your power because you need faith for power. Do you know how much faith Elijah had to have to say, fam, let me see what your God can do. Oh, where your God at? Where your God at? Where your God at? He ain't here. He ain't here. Where your God at? And he said, you know what, fam? I'm about to show you my God, fam. He says, man, get all, and it was, they already was in famine. Woo, they was in a famine. And he said, get all the water and pour it on the altar. And he called fire down. What kind of faith that man had in that moment? You got to work out that faith muscle because in order for you to talk with power in the face of persecutors, you got to have faith in God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew it was about to go down. Everybody who don't bow to this golden image, we're going to put you in a fiery furnace. And they was like, okay. See, that kind of faith don't come from just walking and walking and walking with God. Like, like stuff like that. Don't come with that. That's shallow stuff. That comes from time with him. Time. <clears throat> Tracking his faithfulness. <clears throat> Recognizing his love for you. For them boys to keep standing. And then he asked him again, and then he was like, hey, listen, fam, real talk, bro. He think these boys said, listen, man, my God is well able to deliver us from your fiery furnace. But if he don't, we still ain't bowing. So just because it, he said, even if you win, even if I die, even if you burn me up, I ain't still ain't bowing. That takes faith. The Bible says, why fear a man who can only kill the body? <laughs> He said, you better fear the one who put both body and soul in hell. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. Fam, this is like you got to you, you in order to operate at a level like that, man, you got to spend time to talk boldly when death is an option. And you got to stay in the word. W, you got to stay in the word. Get the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. E, enjoy God. That's what you encourage you. But enjoy his presence. Like people who desperately need friends. You're not going to win in the end. You can't. If you're desperate for associations, then you won't be used for the nations. That's simple. You got to you got to be. There's two friends you got to have first before you before you open yourself up for friends. 
you got to befriend God and you got to be friend yourself. If you're not friends with God, if you're not friend yourself, you're going to welcome in a bunch of Judases. You're going to welcome a bunch of betrayers. You're going to welcome a bunch of people who ain't going to be friends to you. If you ain't a friend of God, if you ain't a friend to yourself, then why even have friends, fam? But you got to enjoy God. You got to enter God's joy. You got to be a party of one, fam. That is what sustains our relationship. That's what sustains everything is that I'm a friend of God. I enjoy God's company. I don't need nobody else's company. I don't need it. I want my wife's company. I don't need it. But my time in God and me, my joy in God makes me a joy to be around. But even though I'm a joy to be around, Jesus was a joy to be around. But he says, I didn't entrust myself to everyone because I knew the hearts of everyone. Discernment is key when it comes to friendships. You can't just be, because when you know God, you know yourself, you'll know who's the right kind of friend. You'll smell a friend a mile away. And you got to engage where you are. Woo, that's a powerful point. Most people are trying to quit a place that's making you into the person you need for the place you desire. You got to engage where you are. Hold on, my wife's here. Yeah, what you, what you need? You you going? You leaving? All right. How, uh, just text me what you need. Wife looks like a snack. Hold on now. You gone? How long? All right now. <laughs> Let me get through this mess. My, my wife leaving now. Looking like a, looking like a little Debbie snack. A little Azzy snack over there. Anyway. You got to engage God where you are. Give me one second. I'm going to take care of this real quick. Give me one second. I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back. I'm gonna do something for my wife real quick. Give me one second. All right. I had to make sure I took care of my second ministry. <clears throat> I had to make sure I take care of my second ministry. God's my first ministry. Oh, my third ministry. I'm sorry. God's my first ministry. I'm my second ministry and she's my third. I take care of the third. You got to engage where you are. And what does that mean? Many people are like, yo, I don't like this job. I don't like this city. I don't like this state. But that's the place that's going to put you in the right state of mind to be able to reach the states. They're going to help you to reach people. Right. So you got to engage where you are because that's where you increase the power. Of Every job I ever had increased the power of my anointing. How could I reach these middle schoolers and high schoolers if I can't take care of the elementary students? How can I not take care of the elementary to a dream job if I can't first take care of a job I don't like? See what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is the, how you engage where you are will determine who you become in power. You learn so much about yourself 
So you can earn from yourself. You learn so much in these places. That's why you got to engage where you are. You may not like this city, but God wants you to be in it. You might not like this state, but God wants you to God. You may, you may not like that job, but God wants you at that job. You may not like where you at, but you got to stay where you at because it's going to help increase the power of your anointing so that you can have something to say to somebody so that when you go, when you have gone through, I talk to kids all the time, go through this, grow through this. I tell them, I know you may not like how home is right now. If I didn't grow up in a single parent home, if I didn't go grow up through poverty, if I didn't grow up in these different uh, areas in my childhood, I wouldn't have the anointing to speak on those things. Sometimes your anointing is your experiments, your experience, your experiences. That increase the power. How, how can God use you as a woman to reach other women that's been molested or who has been abused? If you haven't allowed the God to turn that around for your good so you can deliver the goods in an anointing way to help other people set free. How can I, those who those who have the past of a person's present are the only ones that can help people fulfill their potential in Christ? I can't really fully reach people I've never really experienced what they've experienced. I may be able to reach them at a certain level, but those who have fully experienced what they've gone through, those individuals actually help them people get through. So don't ask God to take you out of pain, take you out of, of the process. Because you want the prize, it's the process that makes you into the person that's able to hold the prize. Don't let God, don't ask God to take you out. You mad at God because God won't take you out. Or you through your free will, you leave out of that place and you find yourself unable to manage. Or how to protect your anointing. You got to remove yourself from all unrighteousness. You got to remove yourself. I can't listen to them. I can't talk to them. I can't be around them. You got to remove yourself to, to increase the power. Sometimes the more isolated you are, when don't let me hear me when I say isolate, we're not talking about not being around nobody, but the more you balance out it with isolation, the more you're able, right? You got to remove yourself from all unrighteousness. You got to remove yourself from all sin, all sinful habits, all weight habits. The Bible says, lay aside every sin and weight that so easily besets you, easily trips you. Some weights you got to let go. You know, I, I can't, I, you're just too heavy as a friend. I love you, but you you're not a you're not a sin to me, but I can't win with you. And you got to practice recognition or discernment. You got to practice discernment and increase your power. You got to Holy Spirit, show me what's behind this person that's showing this to me. Show me what's behind this. And the more you practice that, the more you increase in power. Because power, when it comes to knowing, is all about discernment to a degree. It's a lot with the comes of discernment. <clears throat> so how to increase your power? Pay the price in prayer. Pray. O O B obey. W, work out your faith, muscling, stay in the word. E, enjoy God and engage where you are. R, remove yourself from all unrighteousness and practice recognition and discernment. I pray this message was a blessing to you. I pray that you got a lot out of it. Uh, it's, it was a heavy word, but a necessary a necessary word that I think that uh, we all need. And I'll, I'm going to have to watch this many years down the road, months down the road, because I got to be reminded to keep that anointing at a high level. So, um, for more stuff about what I do, you can go to my website, IamUnplugged.com, to get books, card games. If you feel led to support and, and give towards what we do here and what I do here to help support the channel and support um, other endeavors, you can give as well, whatever the, Lord, the Holy Spirit leads you to give. And you can get books, card games, T-shirts, all that good stuff are available on my website. Books like The Purpose of Singleness, Are You Whole or Full of Holes? Part two is coming out this month. It's not going to just be for singles, though. Uh, not going to just be for singles, going to be for everyone, but I got a part two book coming out uh, with this. Uh, dating prep, help you to date God, date yourself and come date a bulk. 
Um, another book on soul ties, the purpose of freedom, how to untie soul ties, uproot strongholds. That book's available as well. My latest book, not the newest one, the newest coming out this month, but this book came out this month last year. And I haven't done this book of due diligence. This book is an amazing book. Counterfeit or Counterpart, How to Continue to Discern the Will of God in the Area of Your Life. This book is also available now on Amazon. Um, uh, other books as well, like the red book in the top right corner. It's a book on spiritual warfare. And a book in the far right corner is a book on, uh, is my children's book, Asiums. As he says, as in for the students I serve. Great book there. Uh, what else I have? The, our, my wife and I is vlogging. We're gonna do, I know I'll be saying this all the time, but life is be happening. But we're going to vlog more. Um, I think I said, let me see who else. I got to answer my friend's question. Give me one second. I promise. I don't know if I promise, but I'm going to still do it. What if you don't have friends in Christ? That's fine. You got a friend in Christ. The answer's over. <laughs> what if you don't have friends in Christ, but you, who cares if you don't have friends in Christ? You got a friend in Christ and engage that. You'll be good for life. Love you. Hope that helped. Sometimes a simple word like that is beneficial. Don't worry about how many friends you have. Just realize you got a friend in him. Do you have books for married people? This book that's coming out will be that. But I like, like I said, um, I'm a person that really believes that you have to live something a long enough period of time to be able to speak about it. I've only been married for three years. Now I may have, I, I may be able to teach on what I've learned early on in my marriage, but when it comes to marriage in of itself, uh, I need a little bit more years. Um, I, I gotta have been proven to endure. That's why me and my wife are not those kind of YouTube couples that they get married or whatever. And they start doing a channel. No, 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 no. We don't, we don't do that here. I really, I care too much about you all. All of my books to a degree, I think most of my books besides the children's book and other books are beneficial to married people. This next book I'm coming out is beneficial to married people, but it's not just for uh, married people. Thank you so much. She said, that's real. And I understand. Thank you so much. So the next book uh, on wholeness that I'm working on, that's finished. It's finished, but it's coming out this month, Lord willing. <clears throat> and the card game that goes with it, that book's going to benefit everybody from teenagers, more so for older people, but it's going to benefit everybody. Uh, uh, I do have parts in that book for married people, right? Um, but I pray that I pray that was I pray that helped you. Uh, you're so welcome, Joe. Thank you for watching. I needed this. Thank you. God gets the glory. Wild confirmation. All right, guys. I love you. I got to go. Go get me something to eat. Go to the store. Do some things for my wife. And um, I love y'all. Pray was a blessing. Hope y'all got a lot from it. Uh, let me see if I miss anything. Any questions? Real quick, I got time for maybe one question. One more question. I just felt in my spirit that I have. there's one more question. I got to follow his leading. So one more question. I'm going to wait because I felt the Holy Spirit telling me. Do you still do mentorship? Um, this season is um, my time is devoted. I'm gonna get to Kashandra because I think that's the one. <clears throat> but to answer your question, Jocelyn, um, it depends. Um, right now I'm in a phase where I'm in I'm in a school now, so they go they go they getting a lot of my energy, and so just email me. Let me know what your uh, go to my website imunplugged.com. Make sure I put it up. Go to my website, imunplugged.com, under the coaching tab. Email me. Let me know what your what your uh, concern is. And oftentimes, it's funny how it may be weeks down the road, um, but the Holy Spirit will be like, uh, coach this person. So just send, let me know what you need. I have a Christian friend that teaches me the Bible. He likes me romantically and gets a bad attitude when I tell him no romantically. 
uh, but he does a good job at teaching. Listen, the devil's good at teaching too. The devil knows the word more than most believers do. And oftentimes people like that utilize the word to attract women and attract other people um, because God is a great tool to use. God is a great person to use and manipulate like the slaves, slave owners manipulate, took chapters, took books out of the Bible to manipulate people. Now people thinking, well, we shouldn't read the Bible because the slave master used the Bible. No, they used their version of the Bible that they tore up and ripped up, right? So if a person is coming at you with the word, but are not living the word or not uh, being submitted to word or not allowing the word to be their accountability, then you need to run away from that, in, that person immediately. So it doesn't matter how good he teaches, the devil's good at teaching too, to the point to where tons of people will fall away pursuing doctrines of devils. And so if he gets a bad attitude, then you can already tell where his altitude is and it's not as high as you want to go. Uh, but he does a good job of teaching the Bible thoughts, like, like your sister said right here. She said, red flag, run. That's a red flag. When my wife, it don't matter when we was dating, when we knew the word, we said no. There's a certain, like, we honor the word of God, right? Uh, your husband's interested? Yeah. Tell you how your husband reach out to me. See what I can do for him, for sure. And so you got to run from that individual. That person does not love you. He loves what he wants you to do for him. And so I will leave. I will let that friendship go because there's manipulation involved. There, there's a, a lack of self-control involved and um, and he wants you and is using the word to try to wrangle you in. And that's not what you want to be involved in. So I'll let that person go. Just for those who's watching, she said, I have a Christian friend that teaches me the Bible. First off, you don't need no friend to teach you the word. We talked about that. And feel, don't, don't, please listen through my tone. I know my, cause I just finished preaching. And usually when a pre, when a preacher, when a person preaches under the anointing like that, the tone can be, can be tough at times. It could come like that. So know my heart and know the difference between my tone and a treasure that I'm depositing right now. You don't need him to teach you the Bible. The Holy Spirit is there to teach you the word. And, and, and the only time that you are positioned to be washed with the word by your husband is when he is a husband, not him, but when you meet your husband. The only the Bible says, husbands, wash your wives, wash them with the word. Wash her with the word. So right now in this phase, he's a friend. He's not a husband. So if he's not a husband, then you should not give him the liberty to wash you with the word because he's not qualified and he's not uh, set aside to be your husband to wash you. And you don't know what he's washing with could be a dirty rag. So what I would do, I would leave, leave that person alone. And um and let the Holy Spirit teach you and don't be caught up in that. Last one, I gotta go. Why can't I engage in God when it gets too intimate or requires a lot from me? I tuck tail and run. Why can't I engage in God when it gets too intimate? Because we are afraid of what intimacy brings. We're afraid of the deeper calling. We're afraid that maybe He may require me to do something beyond what I'm willing to do for Him. And so what happens is we get afraid. We fear what we don't understand. That's what phobia is. We fear what we don't understand. And so when we get to a place of God where we don't quite understand or we don't quite understand how God wants to use us in this capacity, then what happens is we start getting afraid and we run versus pressing in, right? So when he begins to require a lot from you, you can't allow inadequacy to keep you from being uh, 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 efficient. So if he's requiring a lot from you, then that's a great opportunity for you to grow. Now, practically, you first got to uh, look up some attributes of God, better understand him, uh, better understand his love for you, right? Because the more you begin to understand that, then you don't mind being led by someone that you loves you. And he said it calls you to backslide a lot. Well, we usually backslide or fall away from God because we lack understanding of God. 
and we lack understanding of God's love for us and we lack understanding about or we lack understanding of satanic devices. Number one, we lack understanding of God. We have to know the attributes of God so that we can have those same attributes and act like God, right? So the more you understand God, the more you understand how God wants to work through you. Now you begin to um, uh, uh, understand, what was my second point? Post in the comment, what was my second point? Uh, the attributes of God, uh, 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 man, I forgot the second point. But the third point was, oh, uh, uh, God's love for you. Then when you begin to understand God's love for you, then it erases all inadequacy. It erases all fear. The Bible says the perfect love of God casts away all fear, for fear has torment. Why? Because when I know I'm loved by God and God loves me, then I know that wherever he leads me is in love. It always calls me to rise above any conflict I feel, right? So, you know, you won't backslide because you better understand God. You better understand God's love for you. And you better understand or you're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Now, when you start getting into spiritual warfare and discernment, you will begin to see two or three moves ahead of the satanic plot and begin to understand that this is a plot of the devil to get me away from God so that I can fall into these different types of sins that become too weighty for me and cause me not to be the person I need to be to do what God has called me to do. So what you have to understand is what is God's attributes? And how those attributes can apply to me so I can act more like God in every every uh, venue and arena. Number two, I got to understand God's love for me that no matter what, that his love will never lead me into places where it won't keep me. And number three, I cannot be ignorant of Satan's device because my ignorance of Satan's devices will cause me to fall back because I'm thinking that I'm doing the right thing when I'm not. You're so welcome, my friend. I love y'all. I better go. Y'all be blessed. I'll see y'all next time. Um, and this month I'm excited about releasing this book, Lord willing, uh, and the card game to go with. I'm just waiting to finalize everything. We're getting everything cleaned up for you. New shirts, new books, uh, new, um, new everything. I'm excited. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. I'll see y'all next time. Peace.